Well, I'm thankful for all those that have led us in worship this morning. Thankful for especially our ringers and our singers that did so well. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to bring a word this morning and to continue our sermon series, Harbingers of the Cross. These are meaningful moments within Holy Week. The Gospels slow their pace during Holy Week, and it's good and right for us to add extra emphasis to these stories as well. Hear these words, the Gospel of Christ coming to you and for you, from Matthew 26, verses 31 to 35. Then Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Now Peter said to him, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Let us pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight. Amen. My Uncle Dick and Aunt Doreen retired to Palm Harbor, Florida when I was a young child. Now, my uncle was a chronic overestimator, and he certainly had a favorite number. When we went to visit my aunt and uncle while on vacation when I was in elementary school, my uncle took me and my brother for a walk. We went and saw a new development that was being planned around the corner, and he had us look out onto all the property. You see there, Ben? They're gonna build a thousand homes in that stretch. That was pretty incredible to hear, but we could see the poured foundations, and it was maybe a couple hundred, but not nearly a thousand. We walked by a lake, and my uncle reminded us that every body of water in Florida should be assumed to contain alligators. He told us some stories that amazed us. He said one time he came out for a walk early in the morning, and there were a thousand alligators sunning themselves by the lake. This figure seemed pretty high as well. We walked around the corner to an ice cream shop called Baskin Robbins. And he stressed to us the multitude of ice cream flavors, mint, chocolate, and pistachio almond, pink bubble gum, and rainbow sherbet. My uncle asked, you want to guess how many flavors they have? My brother and I jumped at the bit. A thousand? No, just 31. Our text is one of overestimation as well. Jesus foretells his abandonment of his disciples, but Peter loudly protests. He overestimates his devotion and his ability to remain devout. Peter is then singled out not as the bravest and the boldest, but as the one who would deny Christ that very night. It was not just Peter, though, 
Not one of the disciples would remain faithful. Not one. According to Jesus, all of the disciples would desert him in his hour of greatest need. Let us be reminded, these are not casual acquaintances. These are not casual co-workers. This is Jesus and his 12 disciples. They've traveled great distances together and spent years in service and ministry. They've seen the signs and the miracles. They've heard the words on the Sermon on the Mount. They've taken note of the Hebrew prophecies coming true right before their very eyes. Jesus was the very center of their lives. They've left their livelihoods and everything they own to follow Jesus. Even these disciples, when Jesus is taken by the Roman authorities, would scatter. But Peter won't stand for it. Maybe it's bravado. Maybe it's lack of self-awareness. Maybe, maybe Peter is speaking in hyperbole. But perhaps Peter really believes that he is exceptional. In any case, he stands up and essentially throws the other disciples under the bus. Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Talk about an overestimation of his own righteousness. Yes, Peter, even you. In fact, this very night, you'll deny Jesus three times. But Peter doubles down. Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. This clearly inspires the other disciples because they echo Peter's disagreement with Jesus' prediction. They've all become overestimators of their own faithfulness. In a more sober assessment, author Frederick Beekner famously described the disciples as folks who were continually missing the point jockeying for a position, and when the chips were down, interested in nothing so much as saving their own skins. Bible scholar Marianne McKenna, McKibben Dana kindly refers to the disciples as 12 bumblers and yahoos. From this perspective, it is no surprise that they'll desert him. Jesus alludes to the disciples citing Zechariah 13 that he is the shepherd, the shepherd who would be struck, and they would function like sheep without a shepherd. It's rather simple from this perspective to beat up on Peter for being unaware, for speaking too much and thinking too little. It's easy for us to view the disciples as deserters or cowards, but perhaps we have a streak of being bumblers and yahoos as well. When the Christian life becomes inconvenient, too costly, doesn't align with our planned life trajectory, are we always faithful? Are we really not all that different from Peter? Let's not overestimate ourselves. Peter would go on later that night to deny Jesus three times. This happened by a charcoal fire outside of the high priest Caiaphas' home. 
Imagine the sight. An orange sky ablaze, the smell of smoke as Peter paces back and forth. I traveled to Israel in 2016 and we visited the site where this unfolded. They've constructed a church to mark this location. And strangely, much of the art in the murals are of roosters because of the emphasis of the cock crowing in Peter's story. The door to this church features an homage to this text. Jesus and Peter are in the foreground, and Jesus extends his finger pointing towards Peter. And with his other hand, he holds up three fingers, referencing that Peter would deny him three times. The artist has constructed this creation with intentionality. In the pointing hand of Jesus, it's three-dimensional, coming off of the door. The significance of this is for every person that enters and exits by that door, Jesus points directly to them. I've stood in this exact spot where Jesus is pointing his finger, no longer at Peter, but at me. Truly, I tell you, this very night you will deny me three times. Within this passage, we stand in for Peter and the rest of the disciples. Marianne McKibben Dana reminds us that the disciples tell the story, and it's only natural that in our reading, we stand beside them. Or more accurately, we run at their heels at the first sign of danger. Jesus doesn't seem shocked that the disciples will leave him. But we, as the readers, we should be surprised by the pending finality of Jesus being turned over to the Roman authorities and the certainty of his death on the cross. This seems to be it. If we are to stand in the place of the disciples in this story, we should be aware of the context of the prediction from Jesus. Jesus has entered into Jerusalem with triumph. We've gathered in the upper room for the Passover meal with him. And then Jesus takes us to the Mount of Olives. And now we're being told that we will stumble over him. Scandalizo in the original Greek. It's translated as a stumbling block or to fall away or to desert, to abandon. Standing in the place of the disciples, we are aghast at a savior that goes to the cross instead of retaliating. We can't really take on the Romans. They're much too strong. Plus, Jesus has preached forgiveness instead of retribution. Even when, T when Peter takes a swing of his sword and cuts off Malchus's ear, Jesus places it back on. But Jesus is captured, and we scatter. We feel alone. Many of us have stories of feeling abandoned or deeply hurt by another person. We also know stories where our own actions and inactions have left others feeling deserted or deeply wounded. That same night, Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. The rooster crows, and he recalls the words of Jesus. 
Peter knows that he has abandoned the one who would never abandon him. It's said that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter's claim that he'll never desert Jesus is not true. But he unwittingly preaches a core message that is central to the gospel. In his bravado and lack of self-awareness, he says, I will never desert you. Even though I die, I will not abandon you. And on his lips, this is an overestimation. But imagine Peter's surprise when his own words are embodied by the risen Savior back from the dead. It's as if Jesus is saying, even though I die, I will not abandon you. Imagine Peter's surprise when Jesus lives. Imagine Peter's surprise when the risen Christ greets him not with guilt and shame, but with an opportunity to make things right. Imagine Peter's surprise when he realizes what he has overestimated and cannot accomplish, Jesus fulfills. While the disciples have abandoned Jesus, the truth is Jesus never abandons us. Even when the shepherd is struck, his promise remains that he'll go ahead of us and meet us in Galilee. The close of Matthew's gospel and the Great Commission echo this sentiment with the words, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even when we have not been faithful, Christ is faithful to us. In John's gospel, the resurrected Jesus meets the disciples at the beach where they're fishing. The disciple whom Jesus loved notices that Jesus is on the shore and he tells Peter he's so excited to see that it's Jesus that he jumps into the water and swims ashore to see him. It's there that Jesus and Peter make things right. Peter has denied Jesus by a charcoal fire at Caiaphas' home and now a charcoal fire is broiling fish on the beach. Imagine again the orange sky ablaze, the smoke filling the air. Three times Peter denied Jesus. And now in John's gospel, Jesus asks him three times, Do you love me? Yes, Lord. For a threefold denial, Peter is given a threefold restoration. Despite our desertions and denials. God's love overcomes. Even when we feel deserted and abandoned, we hear Christ whispering, I will never leave you. Even when all seems hopeless and lost, Christ says, I will not desert you. Even when we fail and hit rock bottom, Christ stays with us saying, I will never let you fall away. We are never truly abandoned. Even when we are faithless, God is faithful. Christ never overpromises. So while we might overestimate ourselves, we can never overestimate God's love. No matter how many times we fall short, Jesus extends grace to us, grace greater than all our sins. Much like Peter to Jesus, we are restored to right relationship. Where we have not lived into our promise, Christ has remained true. Where we have failed, 
Christ succeeds. Where we are imperfect, Christ overcomes. But this blessing is not just for us alone. This blessing should go out from us. So many in this world feel abandoned and alone. So many feel isolated due to broken relationships or unjust systems or poor personal choices. So many need to be reminded that God will never desert them. As ones who know the resurrected Savior, we are to live lives oriented towards this kingdom of heaven as depicted in Matthew's gospel, where none are scattered, where no one feels isolated or deserted. We live into this with presence and invitation. We show up and lean in when times and relationships grow complicated. We share and confess honestly the ways that we have deserted, abandoned, or failed. But Jesus loves us still. We deliver a meal for a family in need. We visit the sick and the imprisoned and the dying. We seek out the student that doesn't have many friends and learn about their interests. We extend grace and hospitality to all that we encounter because this is what Christ does for us. We don't do this in our own strength because on our own we overestimate our capacity to do good. On our own we desert and abandon and flee. This brings me back to my Uncle Dick. He overestimated a thousand homes, a thousand alligators, an overestimation nearly every time. But we could never overestimate God's love for us. We could never overestimate God's faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7 speaks of God's covenant and love, saying that God is faithful to a thousand generations, to those that keep his commandments. That's not an overestimation. Psalm 50 says that all creation is the Lord's. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's not an overestimation. Psalm 105 calls to God's persistence and love. He remembers his covenant forever and the word that is commanded for a thousand generations. Amen. If you have never put your